Reformed Church. A lot of this has been out of Revelation chapter 2, right? And how the Lord proclaims throughout every, throughout chapter 2 and chapter 3 in Revelation as he addresses the church, right? In every single one of those instances, he says, I know your works. I know your works. I know your works, right? And what he's talking about when he says, I know your works, is not that just that God knows what you do, right? But that he knows your heart, right? There, there is a work that God cares about. And in James, it talks about us being doers of the work, right? And that doers of the work has absolutely nothing to do with the work that you do with your hands. It has everything to do with the work, quote-unquote. Being a doer of the work is the same thing as being a doer of the word. In other words, someone who hears and believes, right? Every single one, every single one of the letters that are written to the messengers of the church, the messengers of the church or the angels of the church, some translations say, right, those are those that, it's written to the messenger of the church. So it's written, of course, to the church, but it's written to leaders that teach, right, and the church that would hear. Right? So it's written for us that are hearing, and it's written for us that are speaking, right? And in every single one of those instances, every correction that the Lord gives is the same exact correction that the Lord has given today. I know that sometimes we read the book of Revelation and we think that it's filled with mysteries that no one can understand, right? But it's very direct and it's very simple, right? The gospel is not difficult. The gospel is simple to understand. And what the Lord does in every single one of those instances is he's, he corrects the mindset of the church, Right? He's not correcting their actions. He's not cor cor correcting the fact that they committed a sin. He's not correcting the fact that they did something wrong. He's, in every single one of those instances, and we'll show you more today, he's correcting their heart, their mind. What they think, what they believe is what he's correcting. Right? In, in one of the initial instances in, with, with uh, the church of Ephesus, I believe it was, um, and, and actually, let me, let, me just, let me just read that to you. I will read that to you, and we're reading... Uh, from an AKJV, right? That's the American King James Version. It's basically the exact same thing as the King James Version. It just takes out the vows, right? The stuff that trips you up when you're trying to read it. It replaces those with normal English words, but basically reads the same. It's not easier to read in the sense that the words are in the same order. It's just certain words are uh, made a bit easier. So if we go to Revelation, right? Revelation, and we go to chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2 um, and verse number 1. And we'll read this very quickly. We won't have a ton of time to um, recap, but a little bit here. It says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, right, these things says he, and obviously this is the Lord speaking, who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the middle of the seven golden candlesticks or lampstands also. And, and that is already defined, right? Th these are pictures of, uh, and symbols of what the Lord is meaning, but he defined it already in, in chapter 1. And he says the, the, the stars that he says he holds in his right hand are the messengers that he's writing the letters to. The angels are the messengers. Those are the stars, right? And where he says the seven golden candlesticks, that is the church, right? The lampstands are the church, right? I don't know how many of you ever grew up in Sunday school or you heard your, little, your, your children sing a song, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? right? A light is intended to be put on a what? On a lampstand, right? Why, why do you put a light on a lampstand so that the light is seen, right? Why is it that the Lord now calls us the light of the world? He is the light of the world, right? But yet he calls the church 
We are a, a light in a dark place, right? A, the light of the world. And why is that? Because the light that you have is the revelation of Christ and Christ who lives on the inside of you. The one who wants to be seen is him who is the light of the world, right? So the church possesses Christ in them, right? He has come, the, the Father and the Son have come to live on the inside of us by this spirit, right? And, and he lives in us. So he is light on the inside of us. And he continues to enlighten the eyes of your understanding, your mind. He renews your mind with truth right but he has come to be the light in the world right so so that's why he in in chapter one the lord describes himself as the one that walks in the midst of the lampstands right the lord is is in the church right in other words the reason why we are called the body of christ is because he lives on the inside of us right we are the temple of the holy spirit right you've heard that before we're the temple of the holy spirit why is that because the holy spirit lives in you that's why we would be called the temple right so um Verse uh, 2, he says, I know your works, and we won't go into it today, but when he says, I know your works, in, in verse number 23, he says that he's the one that searches the minds, right? That the Lord is the one that searches the heart, right? You, you may have heard also another verse that says that the Lord says when he returns again for his second coming, will he find faith on the earth? He's not looking for works, is he? He's not looking for people that are, that are perfect in everything that they do, that never do anything wrong, right, that are perfect in all of their actions. He's looking for what? Faith. That is what? Belief in the Lord. Belief in the Lord. Faith is not you hoping that tomorrow is going to be a sunny day. Faith is I believe in Jesus. Faith in Christ. That's what he's looking for, faith in Christ. Not people that think positively. He's looking for faith in Christ. It's simple. It's cut. It's dry. It's, it's linear. It's singular. Faith in in Christ. Faith doesn't have branches. Faith is faith in Jesus and nothing else. Faith in Jesus and nothing else, right? Um, so he says, I know your works and your labor and your patience and how you, you uh, don't bear with those that, that which are evil and you have tried those that say that are apostles and are not and you have found them liars. Verse number three says, I have uh, and have borne and have patience and for my name's sake have labored and have not fainted. Nevertheless, look at verse number four. I have this against you. The Lord describes himself when he comes to the church of Ephesus. He's, he said he describes himself as the one that holds the messengers in his right hand and, the, and, and who walks in the midst of the church, right? So he, so he says, you know, I'm the, one, I'm the one that lives inside of the church. I'm the teacher, right? I'm the one that shows you. So, and the correction that he gives them to the church is, he said, nevertheless, I know what you do. I see, I see the works that you do, and I see your heart, right? And he says, but I have this against you, he says, in verse number four. This is the correction of the Lord. He says, but I have this somewhat against you because you have left your first love. You have left your first love. Um, in Colossians, the Lord says that we, would, that we would return, right, back to believing and living, right, as we did at first. In other words, that we, we, you were saved by faith, right? If, if you're saved today and the Lord dwells and lives on the inside of you, you've received the forgiveness of your sins, you've received the finished work of Jesus on the cross, you, all that you knew, knew was, that, was that, right? You didn't have all of your actions in order. All your works were not perfect, right? I remember myself grow, uh, growing up in the church in my later days, in my 20s, right? I began to hear the gospel. I, I didn't know much. I, all I knew was, it was what I was hearing from the preacher. But I began to hear the good news. And when I heard what Jesus did for me, I believed that. And I continued to hear that. Now, you don't get saved the first day that you hear the good news. It sounds good. 
right? The parable of the seed of the sower in Luke and in Matthew 13 talks about how people receive the gospel with joy. The difference between all those types of soil in the parable of the seed and the sower is that some continue in the truth and some do not. Some continue in the truth and some do not, right? The only people that ever, right, can, can be the disciples of the Lord is exactly what the Lord said. He said, if you continue in my truth, then are you my disciples indeed. A disciple is not a special type of a Christian. A disciple is just a learned one. In other words, ones that is taught, learns, right? So if we are saved, we are all disciples of God if we continue. But he says if you don't continue, you can receive what the Lord is saying with joy. Listen, the good news is good news to everyone. <laughs> Listen, whether you continue in it or not, I mean, it is ridiculous to think that the good news is not good news. The Lord has delivered this world out of death. The Lord has delivered this world out of all of the evil in the earth, right? The Lord desires to prosper you. The Lord desires for you to be in health and to prosper as your soul prospers. That, that's what the world is trying to accomplish by their own means. All of that is good. No one can ever deny that that is all good, right? But, but the only people that can actually live in that and receive that are those that continue. So obviously that's why the Lord encourages and is encouraging the church here. You were saved by what you believed. He's saying go back to that. You, you've, in other words, you started here and you began to, do all, to focus on all types of other stuff. There are things that the church needs to do that are good. But the primary thing that the church is called to is, to is to learn and understand what the Lord has done for them so that the Lord can be the one to work in and through them and do the good works, right? So that the Lord can be the one to prosper you. But sometimes, you know, what the church has done is, and what people do, is that we start, we're saved one way by faith in Jesus. And then we think there's a different way to live, right? He said, don't live by sight, the Lord said, but live by what? Faith. Don't live by sight. He's telling us how to live. How, do, how are you supposed to live? By faith. He said, this in Galatians 2.20, he said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And this life that I now live in this body and this flesh, I live it by what? Faith in the Son of God that did what? That loved me and did what else? Gave himself for me. What, what is that view? What is God constantly trying to do? Corral our mind and our hearts to him to be Christ what? centered right that is not some kind of fanatic sect of the church right christ-centered is what every christian should be because that's how you got saved the lord's correcting the mind of the church here to say return to your first love love is faith in jesus right Return to your first love is faith in Jesus. Verse number five of Revelation two says, remember therefore from where you have fallen and repent. Repent doesn't mean roll around the floor and be, feel bad for what you've done. Repent means change your mind. Change your mind. You don't, you don't repent by thinking the same. Repentance does not come from you feeling guilty about what you've done. Repentance in every sense of the word, biblically speaking, is about changing your mind, your heart. In other words, change your, but, but not, listen, don't misunderstand me. If I do something wrong, repentance is not, okay, I don't like doing that. I'm going to be better next time. You, you think the same, right? In other words, because the one that you have to change your mind about is not about what you do. The one that you have to change your mind about is who did something for you. The one you're trying to change your mind about is Jesus, not about your actions, right? People major on their actions and never get anywhere, right? It's, it's kind of like the, the analogy of a hamster on a wheel, right? You, you can run as quick as you want trying to fix everything, but the reason why you needed to be saved in the first place is because you couldn't, and you still can't by yourself, you couldn't and you still can't by yourself 
You could not, and you still can't by yourself. So, but you have one that already did, right? He said, he said take heart because I have overcome the world. He's not, he didn't say take heart because I'm going to overcome the world. He said take heart because I have overcome the world. He said, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our what? Faith. Even our faith. Faith. There's no, there's no fight for me to fight. It's the good fight of what? Faith, right? What is the fight that I'm trying to fight? I'm not trying to bring down the devil. The devil has already been defeated. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to destroy principalities and powers. I already have the one in me that is set above all principality, power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world and this earth, but in the world even to come, the new earth. He is still above everything. There is no fight to fight. He already fought it. Right? The reason why it's called the fight of faith is because he's trying to corral our heart to come to him, to believe in what he has already done. I get it. We all want to do something for him because of what he's done. But God is not asking for that and never has, and you will never find a verse in the Bible asking you to do anything for him. It's about what he did for you, what he did for me, what he did for us. Right? It's what Jesus did for us. He's not asking me to do anything for him. It's what he did for me. It's what he did for me. Right? The reason why we, Ephesians chapter 2 talks about that just as he's seated in heavenly places, he says that we are seated with him. Seated with him at the right hand of the Father. Well, where is he seated? See, you, you can't learn where you are and what you have by looking at yourself. You'll just see people, stuff. You'll just see earthly things, right? But when you behold the glory of the Lord as in a mirror, when you behold Jesus, right, you're seeing where he is, how he is seated, what he has authority over, right? And then when you begin to hear things like, you have been made an heir and a joint heir with Jesus, you say, hold on, what, what was that again? Because we know about inheritance, right? We know, uh, we know something about inheritance. We know what it means to want to leave something to your children and to your children's children, right? We, we know what it means to desire to leave a legacy. Well, we have one who is an heir of the Father, and we have been made a joint heir with him. So if I behold what the heir has, am I not seeing what I have? I'm a joint heir with him. That's why we're called to behold the glory of the Lord as in a what? As in a mirror. Mirror reflects who you are, right? right? In, in other words, as in a glass. So when I behold what Jesus has and what he's done, right, I'm seeing, wow, Lord, everything that you have, all that you have power over, right, I have been given power over. I'm seated with you, right? He has already overcome. Thank, thank that, that is the longest recap ever. Anyway, um, so, okay. So, so let's move on a little bit. Let's move on a little bit. If we can go to uh, Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 12. This, this is written to the angel, to the messenger of the church in Pergamos. Um, and he says this. He says, it, it, and as we said before, the Lord in all these letters introduces himself. Isn't that an awesome thing? He doesn't say, who are you? What have you done? How good have you been? Right? He's not Santa Claus, right? He's, he's Jesus Christ, right? He is the Son of God. He says, this is who I am, right? Because that's what's important. It's not what you've done. It's who he is, right? So he says, he says, he says these things said he, which has a sharp sword. A, sh a sword is something that divides, right? 
A sword is something that divides. Hebrews talks about how, right, right, and actually I'll read that to you quickly here. Hebrews, you, you don't have to turn here necessarily, uh, Brother Andre, but if, if you do, that's fine. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick. The word of God is quick, alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder, dividing, right? A sword divides. The dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a, a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, right? The Lord wants by his word to divide your mind so that you can see the difference between truth and a lie, so that you can see the difference between deception and that which is according to Christ, right? Deception and that which is according to Christ. So that's, that's going to be important now for us to have heard that, and it's going to be important a little later as well. Um, going back to Revelation again, verse number 12, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos uh, write, these things said he who has the sharp sword, something that divides, right, with two edges. Verse 13, I know your works. He says it to every single one of the churches. I know your works. I know there is no one that knows the heart of man like God knows, right? No one that knows the heart of man like God knows. Jesus Christ would be within a crowd of people. And he could see men coming towards him carrying a lame man on a stretcher. And he would say, and the Lord saw their faith right? The Lord knows the heart of men, right? The, knows, the Lord knows the heart of men. He knows the heart of the unsaved. He knows the, the, the wickedness, the unbelief, in other words, that is in the heart of people that refuse to accept him. He knows the heart of someone that is seeking him, right? And he knows the heart of a believer as well, right? He says, I know your works and where you dwell, even where Satan's seat, a seat is just a throne, right? A throne, where Satan's seat is, and you hold fast my name and have not denied my faith. So, so these are people, right? I don't know if there are people that are saved, but I do know it gives you the understanding that there are people that know about the finished work of Jesus Christ and have held fast to that. So it gives you the, the understanding that there are people that know the Lord, right? Um, and he says, he says, you have not denied my faith. Now, not denied my faith, again, is you have not denied faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, you have continued in your mind. This does not mean that all of you verbalized and said, I believe in Jesus and I will not deny him. It's not talking about that. It's saying that you have not denied him in your mind and heart. In other words, you have continued to believe. You have not stopped, right? The parable of the seed and the sword talks about those that, that stop because of the cares of this world and the, and the lust for other things, right? They, they, they started, they loved what they were hearing, and then they, they stopped. They go away. They, they, they have problems. They have stuff. They, they, they start walking away. They have seen and they forget who they are, right? But this is talking about people that, they, it says they have not denied my faith. So they, 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 they know some, somewhat about the Lord, right? They know things about Jesus. It says, even in those days where Antipas was my faithful martyr, um, and, and obviously the, the, the emphasis here is not on the fact that the man was killed. It, 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 it emphasizes the fact that he was a man of faith, right? If it was just about martyr, it would just be about murder. But it wasn't about murder, it was about faithfulness. In other words, the, the mind and heart of that man, Antipas, was a faithful man. In other words, he continued in his heart and mind and faith in Jesus Christ regardless, right? He said, who was slain among you where Satan dwells, verse 14. But I have, here's the correction of the Lord. Now, now when the Lord is, when you're going to hear the correction of God, don't forget who he's talking to. He's talking to people that he just said is, you have not denied my faith. In other words, you have continued. He says, there are things that you believe and that you know about me. So, so let, let me put it to you in these terms. 
because I think this is very applicable today to people that love the Lord. There are people that love Jesus, right? People that love Jesus, people that are saved. They, they may go to church every Sunday, right? But there are lots of people across this world that love Jesus, right? Lots of people that love Jesus and, and are saved. And the Lord lives and dwells on the inside of them by his spirit, right? But it says, but look, look at the correction that he's talking to. He says, but I have a few things against you because you, you have there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. The doctrine of Balaam who taught, who taught, who taught. In other words, there was something that he was teaching, right? Doctrine, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit fornication. That, what that's really talking about is harlotry, right? But what you see is when you read actually the account in the Old Testament, what actually happened here is that the people of Israel began to, to listen to the people of Moab. And they began to be, get into relationships with the women of Moab, right? But what they were led to was they were invited to, to sacrifice to the God of the Moabites, right? And they went right along with it. People, right, that know the Lord, people that were led by God, people that were delivered from evil from the, from, of this world, people that were, that were given the gospel were led what? Astray, right? And, and what he's saying is he's talking to a church, right? He's talking to his church. This letter is to the church, the messenger of the church in Pergamos, right? And he's saying to the church, obviously this letter was directed to the church of Pergamos, but obviously the Lord said write these things down, not just so that the church of Pergamos would hear it because the emphasis is that the church would hear it. That's why 2,000 years or more later we're still reading it today. But he says to them, he says, he, he said he taught them to make a stumbling block before the children of Israel. In other words, there, there, there is teaching that is correct and is right. And the teaching that is correct and is right is according to Jesus Christ. The gospel, or what people like to call the full gospel, there is just one gospel, right? It's not, there's not a, a half gospel, a quarter gospel, a three-quarter gospel, and a whole gospel. There's just one gospel. The gospel is good news. What is good news? What I told you before. What Jesus did for you. There is nothing in the gospel apart from that. It's what Jesus did for you. People could give you something that sounds like good news, right? In other words, if people can tell you, well, if you, listen, church, I, wanna, I want you to know, if you get your act together and you start coming to church, God's going to bless you. That may sound like good news, sort of, but it's not the gospel, right? It's not the gospel because God never blesses men because they do good stuff, Right? God blesses men, right, because of what Jesus Christ has done for them, right? You are blessed because of what he has done for you. You were saved because of what he did for you. You're blessed because of what Jesus has done for you. And there is nothing that you could ever receive by something that you do for God, right? No one can ever put God in debt, right? You don't do something and say, okay, Jesus, I did, God, Father, I did this for you. Now you owe me right? You don't put God in debt ever. Not a single day in your life do you ever do anything that God owes you everything. He did everything already for you. Therefore, you're full, right? You're complete in him. There is nothing apart from what you have received in Christ that you need from God. You have the power to wealth on the inside of you. You have the power to health on the inside of you. You have all that you need for life and godliness. Godliness covers your actions, right? Life covers everything else. Right? right? You have the power to life in you. Where does healing come from? Life. Right? Where does resurrection come from? Life. Right? Where, where, does, where does, I don't know, 
Healthy teeth come from? Life. Where does healthy skin come from? Life. Where does anything about wellness come from? The life of God on the inside of you. And Miss Lindsay was praying, if, you were, if we are to receive the abundance of the grace of God, that's everything that he freely gave to us without us working for it or without us meriting it, right? He said, if you receive the abundance of the grace of God and the gift of righteousness, you will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. That means, in other words, there is a way for us to receive everything that God has given, and that is by righteousness, right? Righteousness is what he has made you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus if you believe. Abraham believed, and he was accounted unto him for righteousness, right? Righteousness is the right that you have to the inheritance that is yours now. The right, the righteousness that you have. That's the the access that you've been given. So you have access to the grace in which you stand, right, by the righteousness that God has given you, the gift of righteousness. Notice, Notice the wording, right? The abundance of the grace of God and the gift of righteousness. Gift. You don't work for righteousness. It was a gift from Jesus Christ. He worked for it. Somebody worked for it. Believe me, there was work that was done. It was just done by him. His labor on the cross is what made you righteous. Your faith in what he has done is what made you righteous. Abraham was not terrific in all his actions, but he was a righteous man. Lot was not great in all his actions, but he was a righteous man, right? Righteousness has nothing to do with your works. It has to do with his works, right? So so when we have have access to these things, but here it says in verse number 14, it says that the, the church who had started with Christ who, has, who, who were focused on what the Lord had done, he said, he said they, 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 he says, you have these among you that are teaching others in your church to stumble. How, how, do, you, how do we do that? Is it, you know, we start inviting each other out to nightclubs and to do bad, naughty things. How do you cause people in the church to stumble, right? You know what you do? You teach them something that is contrary or absent of Jesus Christ. That's how you bring the mind of the church away. It doesn't have to sound bad. It doesn't even have to look bad, right? All that you have to do is just leave Jesus out of the equation. Build the doctrine. Build the doctrine. Listen to the correction of God. I'm not the one correcting, right? This is the Lord's correction to the church. He says, says, I have this against you. You, He says, I'm the one with the sharp two-edged sword coming out of my mouth. In other words, I'm the one that wants to divide in your heart to show you truth from deception, show you the things that are according to Christ to the things that are not, right? So so when the church begins to propagate a doctrine or people propagate a doctrine that is, he says the doctrine of Balaam that taught Balak to cause a stumbling block, to eat things that are sacrificed to idols, to commit harlotry. Harlotry there is to go after other gods, right? It's, It's not a sexual sin, right, in the context that he's using it. Obviously, fornication is in a sense, but the word here means harlotry. What they did is the people of Israel went after other gods. It wasn't the fact that they met women. It's that they went after their gods, right? So in other words, it's a thing of the heart. It's not a thing that they did with their physical body, even though it manifests itself that way. It's a thing of their heart, right? Their heart went after other gods, right? These are my people that should have their heart on the Lord, and they went after other gods. Verse 15 says, so you have... So have you also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. You don't hear that very often when God says he hates something, right? That's very strong, right? But obviously I didn't say it, he did. So if God hates something, I want to know what that is. (laughs) If the Lord hates something, I probably hate it too, 
right? If the Lord hates something because he's in me, right, and he gives me the desires of my heart, I probably hate it as well, right? And you know what that is? Doctrine. He said, you hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, right? In other words, and I don't even know how to pronounce those people, but it doesn't matter. The people don't matter. The doctrine is what matters. What, the, the problem there was, he says, you hold the doctrine. These are people, he said, that held on to their faith in Jesus, but you know what happened? They, like the church in Ephesus, they, they left their first love, right? They went after other doctrines. And what does another doctrine, listen, please, please hear me in this, right? What does another doctrine sound like? Listen, it can sound very positive. It can sound very emotional. It can sound like, you know, God, God just wants you well. And God wants you to prosper. And God wants your family happy. And God wants you to do this. And God wants your marriage to be better. And God wants you this. And, and, and you, you that are here with me, if you were just, if you were just continuing, you just try to be good and continue to attend here and you continue to do this, you know, God's going to bless you. And God's going to bless your finances. And if you give, he's going to give to you. And he's going to bless you. What is missing in all of that stuff? Because it is true that Jesus wants to prosper you. It is true that God wants to give you all of these things. The thread that is missing in every single thing that I just said is Jesus Christ, right? The reason why you're able to receive is missing from all of that. And whenever anyone puts the burden of you receiving on your work and not his work, that is not of God, and I don't care who says it. It didn't matter if it was my pastor from years ago. It didn't matter who said it. It could be the most well-meaning individual on the face of the earth, and he's still or she's still wrong. Still wrong, right? Still wrong. Why? Because there is no gospel to be taught to the church of Jesus Christ that is absent of the Savior. It, that is not a doctrine that you want to hear. Anything that puts any weight or any burden upon you, instead of you looking at what he did, the, and here's why this is so important. The Lord is the one that says to us, come to me, you that are weary and heavy laden. And he said, I will give you rest. Why? Because I have already overcome. The Lord doesn't say, you overcome, just take up your swords and go into battle and the Lord will give you the victory. He isn't asking you to fight. He already fought, <laughs> right? He's not asking anybody to go find the sword and start chopping up devils, right? He already said, I have overcome. Believe in the one that have overcome. You know what it makes us? More than conquerors. More than conquerors. Why? Because you're more than a conqueror when you receive a victory that you never even fought for. You receive a victory that you never even labored for, right? We, we enjoy the victory of the one that labored on your behalf, right? That took out of this world the main problem. What, 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 what is the problem in this world today? The, the, I'll, I'll say it to you in two words. Sin and death. And one comes from the other. Sin. One problem. Sin. What, what, Adam in the garden, everything was hunky-dunky, right? And then what happened? He sinned. And sin came into the world. And sin spread into the world, even though there was not any law for people to break. Sin still reigned in the world and death reigned by it. What did Jesus come to do again? To take our what? Imagine that. Huh? That there's one problem in the world that caused all of the death in this world, and he said, I have come to take sin to give you what? Life instead of death. Imagine, imagine the good news of that, right? Imagine the good news of that. If, if, right? Adam, Adam today, if he were here next to me hearing it, he said, you know what? 
it wouldn't even be about what Adam did. Jesus would still introduce himself to Adam the same way. I am the one who was dead, and I am alive forevermore. And I have taken the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and I have overcome, right? He would say that to Adam, and he's saying that to you today. It is the same salvation and the same victory, right? It, there, there, there is, listen, he, sin was the problem, and he took the problem. Therefore, you know what? All that the church or, and that people in the world I get what's in the world. Nobody has to tell me what's in the world. I get it. I see it, right? I'm just not getting an education in it, but I, I, I see it. It's sin and death, evident. Nobody has to remind me of that. Gotcha, right? So, but that's not what we want to major on, is it? I don't want to major on the sin and death in the world. I already know what that looks like. I want to major on the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, right? I want to major on the one who saved me out of sin and death and gave me an exit out of this world right? That's who I want to major on, right? That's who I want to see. That's what, that's what I want to understand. That's what I want to be a disciple of. I don't want to be a disciple of this world, right, to be conformed to it. I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If I'm thinking about something, I want it to be the good news about what Jesus has done. That's what I, that's what I want in my brain. That's what I want in my heart and mind. And you know what he promised he would do? He said he'll keep you in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on me. That, that's a beautiful, perfect peace. I want that, right? Perfect peace, whose minds are stayed on me. If you turn that around, if we don't keep our heart stayed on him, and we allow people to take the heart of the church and draw them away from the gospel, draw you away from your first love, that, that's not perfect peace, right? That's confusion, right? That's destruction, that's death, that's decay, Right? And believe me, you, you can just open up your browser and you can get an education on the internet with death and decay in any, in any topic, in any subject, right? You can get it. But thank God there's also reformchurch.com and you can hear a lot about the life of God that he's given you, right? Reform you also. Um, let, 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 me, let me get back to this real quick so we can start wrapping up. Um, so verse 15 says, I have, this, I have this also against you, he's saying from verse 14, that you also have them who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. He says, which thing I hate. Um, and what he's talking about there is, and, and, and this is, I think this is a, a nice part, not, nice place to start wrapping up here. Uh, another gospel, right? We talked about things that are not the gospel, right? But let, let's talk about it like as the gospel, and then let's talk about it as another gospel. Another gospel, right? Let me show this to you. Um, if I could read to you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 3. So you could hear it, the same thing, but hear it in clearer words, right? Um, it, 2 Corinthians eleven three 3 says, But I fear, lest by any, any means, listen to this now, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ, right? In other words, you started by hearing the gospel, simple, beautiful, lovely, all about what he has done, not about what you do. You receive that. You began to love the Lord because you, the, 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 the Lord says that we love him because he first what? Loved us. How did he love you? Through the cross. He manifested, in other words, the cross, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is the manifestation of the love of God for you so that you and all the world can know, I love you. I love you so much that I sent my only begotten son to die, for you, to die your death. Not for his sins, for yours. Not for his sins, for yours. For your sins, right? It says, it says that, you're, that 
your minds, it says, would be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Whenever anyone tries to take your heart away from the simplicity of the cross, right, that, that is damaging doctrine. Damaging doctrine. Oh, but it sounds so good, and I felt so happy, and I wanted to say amen. Damaging doctrine, right? Because it is not and will never be about what you do. It is not, was not, when you first got saved, isn't and will never be about what you do. It will always be about what Jesus did. Always, always. Verse, verse 4 says, for he that comes, listen, for he that comes preaches another Jesus. You understand that this is not Pastor Jose Perdomo that wrote this stuff, right? Like this is Paul the apostle writing also to the church, right? He says, for he that comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached. Or if you receive another spirit which you have not received or another gospel or another gospel, another good news, another good news. In other words, there's something that sounds good. It's just not this good news. It's just a different one. It's just a different good news, right? It's a good news that almost sounds like, like motivational speaking. It's a good news that almost sounds like people just telling you, don't worry, tomorrow's going to be a good day, right? Listen, listen to this for a second. If you're having a hard time with something, hard time, just having a bad day, having a bad week, having a bad life, right? And somebody comes up to you and starts rubbing your back and says, don't worry. It's going to be all right. You ought to turn around and say, how do you know that? And why? What assurance can you give me that tomorrow, I was just trying to cheer you up, but don't lie to me though. Why are you telling me that tomorrow is going to be a good day? Don't worry, it's going to be all right. You, you have no idea what tomorrow is going to be like. But if I tell you, don't worry, tomorrow is going to be a good day because I know the one that I can teach you and speak to you of that can rise up in your heart like a morning star. And when you have revelation of what he's done for you, I can tell you this, tomorrow will be a good day. Tomorrow you will, and as you grow more and more, you will receive more and more of what the Lord has given you, and you will prosper, and you will be in health, even as your soul prospers. That is the gospel, right? That's a way to cheer someone up. That's good news. That's good news that has an anchor in something, right? That has an anchor. In other words, the place where you stand is the grace of God, the finished work of Jesus. When you're standing on it, you can hold on to it with two hands, and no one can move you, right? That's immovable. The things that Christ has done are unchanging. Everything else in this world changes. Today you could be sick, tomorrow you're well, right? Today you could be well, tomorrow you're sick, right? Today you're poor, tomorrow you could be rich. Today you're rich, tomorrow you could be poor. Everything in this world is subject to change. Isn't it awesome to be holding on to the one that can change everything based on what he's done for you? Can prosper you in the middle of a famine. In the middle of a famine. Even if he has to send birds with meat in their beaks to feed just you, he will prosper you. And you will not skip a beat, right? In the middle of a famine where the whole world is dying, he will make sure that you prosper. Right? In the middle of a country, like many other countries in this world, whose economies are failing, right? You're not tied to the economy. You are tied to the kingdom of the living God. You, he has risen and set you on Mount Zion, right? You belong to the church of the firstborn, right? right? We are not governed by the government of this world. We obey the laws of this land. But I am not, I'm in this world, but I am not of this world, right? I am of a different kingdom, right? I'm of a different kingdom that works by different laws, right? 
You know what another gospel sounds like? Another gospel sounds like anything that is just absent of Jesus. He says, if, if, he, if he that comes preaches another gospel whom we have not preached, and you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear it with him. In other words, what he's saying is, he says, I'm afraid for you, he says. That you've started so well listening to the good news about what Jesus has done, and that somebody could just come and start preaching you another gospel, and you say, what? And you just go with it to the right, and you go with it to the left, because, by the, you know, you have issues, you got problems, and somebody's telling you that it's going to be okay, and you go with another good news. You go with another gospel. But you know what? You can stick with just the one that saved you. And you, and you don't have to go anywhere with it, right? There's nowhere that you have to go, nothing else that you need to listen to. Now, I will tell you this. If I read to you the parable of the seed and the sower, if, if we can go there just quickly, in, in Luke 8, in verse number 11, because, because here's the beautiful thing also. God does not obligate anyone to listen to anything and to believe anything that he does, right? In other words, no, no one is obligated to believe the good news about Jesus Christ. The Lord desires for the world to hear it and to accept it, right? But you could, you could hear what the Lord says and say, ah, you know what, that's a bunch of hogwash. I don't believe any of this stuff. That's good. You could do that, right? You could just say, I, I don't believe it. It, it. It's too good to be true. Uh, I don't know what proof, you, whatever. You, you know, you, people can, you're, you're at liberty to hear and to believe. But I will tell you this, though. If you, if you hear and you continue, the one thing that the Lord says to each and every single one of the churches, he says, if you overcome, if you overcome, and listen, before we go to Luke 8, let, let's, let me read the last part of Revelation there. We'll read Luke 8, and then we'll probably close there. Okay, um, let, let's go back, if you will, Revelation chapter 2, and look at verse number 16, and then we'll go to Luke 8, and then we'll finish there. V verse 16, the Lord gives him kind of the formula, if you will, to, to be able to follow in the Lord's correction. He says, repent, right, change your heart, repent, or else I will come to you quickly. Remember, he's talking to the church, right? He's talking to people that believe, Repent or else I will come to you quickly and fight against you, them, sorry, with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, in verse 17, he who has an ear, because it is talking about hearing, right? It's not talking about us doing, it's talking about your hearing. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes, overcomes there means, and, and we identified that in the first service, we, we don't have time to go through it now, but overcomes there is to him who will believe, Right? If you overcome, we said, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, we said, right? So he says, to him that overcomes, I will, uh, will I give to eat of the hidden manna. The hidden manna, right? Manna is bread. Manna is bread. Manna is life, right? Jesus said, you know, when the people came to him, uh, the Jewish people came to him saying, you know what, we, we, what, what sign are you going to show us? You know, our father, you know, they, they, he, we, they ate bread. They ate manna from heaven, the bread of heaven. They ate it. And Jesus said to them, no, no, you, you don't understand. That's a symbol, right? Your fathers ate the manna, and they're dead. In other words, that manna didn't give them life. He said, I am. I am the bread of life. And anyone who eats this bread, in other words, anyone who believes in me will live, right? They will have life. So when the Lord says here, he says, I will give them to eat, eat of the hidden manna. He says, I will give them to eat of the bread that they don't know of, right? Of the bread that they don't know of. Actually, the manna was called that, right? Like it, it was named because they didn't know what it was, right? 
He said, I will give you to eat of the hidden manna. You know why? When the hidden manna becomes known manna, when the one who is the bread of life becomes known to your heart, when you put faith in the bread of life that came to give you life, you will live. In other words, what Jesus is saying there in the end of that little bit to the church of Pergamos, he says, he says, he says you, you have held fast. You've seen people martyred for their faith. I know where you live. I know the, the evil that is around you. But listen, don't concern yourself about the fact that you live in Satan's seat. Don't concern yourself with the fact that you live in Satan's throne. You're just in the world, right? But in John 17, Jesus says, I don't ask you to take them out of the world. I ask you to keep them from evil, right? He didn't ask you to, he, Jesus didn't say, take them all out right now. Nope. He said, leave them right where they are. Leave them right where they are, right? Just keep them from evil. In other words, sanctify them. Set them apart by your word, right? Your word is truth. So the one who has a sword coming out of his mouth, a sharp two-edged sword, says, I can teach you what is right and what is wrong. And, and what, where I want to keep you is on what is right. You know why? Because if you will hear and learn the gospel, he says, I will give you to eat. You, in other words, you will have life. You will live and not die. Instead of sin and death, right, you will have life and peace, right? Instead of sin and death, you'll have life and peace. In Luke 8, where I told you that we were going to end, Luke 8 and verse number 11. He said, now, now the parable, the par he explained the parable of the seed and the sower. The parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then comes the devil and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should, be, lest they, lest they should believe and be saved. Verse 13 says, they on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, they fall away. In other words, a lot of people hear the good news. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I want to turn around. You know, it's January, and I'm going to make a, a, you know, a, 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 a promise this year to the Lord. I'm just going to do good in this. But, but it's, it's not about us changing our actions. It's, just, it's your hearing, right? Continue to hear. A lot of the soil, quote, unquote, a lot of the people, here, receive it with joy, but then they're tempted. They don't feel good enough. They feel that I've done this. I've gone too far. Whatever people's reasoning is in their mind, they believe that they're too far to receive. They don't feel that they're good enough to receive. They don't feel that, that you know, they're chasing after things, whatever. In verse number 14, he says, and they which fell among the thorns are they which, after they have heard, they go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and, and bring no fruit to perfection. So it's not, it doesn't even have to look bad, right? You could hear the gospel and just get distracted. And you know what? I want to be a world traveler. And I just want to, you know, just go all over the world. And, and I have a bucket list and all this stuff. It's funny, a bucket list, right? It's people like planning to die. Isn't that an interesting concept, right? A bucket list. These are all of the things that I want to do before I die, which is inevitable, and nobody has done anything about it. Isn't that, isn't that a crazy way to think? That you plan that you're going to die. Is that really life? That sounds like death to me. In other words, that's like living your entire life on the road to corruption, right? Instead, I'd like to know who came, did something about sin and death, and wants to give me life. Jesus said, I would give you to eat, eat. It says, from the hidden man, I will give you life. Not death, I'll give you life, right? It's just an interesting thing. I know people have to learn. People are very acquainted with death. They're used to seeing it. Everybody dies. Everything corrupts. Everything rusts, right? Everything decays in this world. I get it. I get it. We're used to seeing that. But that's living by sight, right? If, if, well, why do you believe that? Because I see it. Exactly. That's what get, God told you not to do, right? 
He told you not to live by sight, but to live by faith, right? People's excuse as to what they believe, right? That's why I always ask people, what do you believe, right? Because what they believe is, uh, most of the time, is what they see. That's exactly what he doesn't want you to do, right? Because what he's given you, what he's given you, you cannot see, right? The, the, the last verse here says, but, but uh, verse number Let's just go to 15. He says, but that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, that's your mind, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Patience there is continuance, right? Long suffering. In other words, you don't stop. You just keep going. You just keep going. You just keep going. Um, the, the, the one thing that you'll see, and I'll shut that off, um, the one thing that you'll see is if you're, looking, if you're looking for a life that looks just like this world, right, you could just stay in the world and you'll live that, right? In other words, if you're looking for a life that looks just like everybody else's life, you don't need Jesus for that. You could just stay in this world and you're going to live it like everybody else lives it. That, that's a guaranteed thing. It, 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 let me just say that in, in a different way. If, if what you think is normal for you or what should be normal or what is acceptable to your mind is the normalcy that you see in the world, you do not need Jesus and you do not need to hear this because you could just ignore this and just stay in the world and you will experience all of the loveliness that's in this world. You will experience it all by yourself. You don't have to try to do that. That's already reigning in the world. Sin and death is already reigning. You don't have to make it rain. It happens automatically, right? Just stay in the world, ignore Jesus, and you will live out the normalcy that's in this world. If you're looking for an exit out of this world, if you're looking for a way to live and not die, if you're looking for, for a way to be able to be saved out of this world, right? In other words, if you're at a place where you're saying, you know what, Lord, I can't. I, I have tried everything, and I just can't. And I need to hear what you did because I couldn't do it, right? That, that's, that's a different proposition. But I will warn you against this, right? The life of Christ, he is not earthly. He is heavenly, right? He's called the son of God. He is not your son. He is the son of God, right? So therefore, heavenly things and earthly things are not the same. They are not the same. So when you hear things like you have heard today that don't sound normal to you according to this world, that's good, right? Because he is heavenly. He's not earthly. So if, if something that you heard today, that sounds really weird, right? That sounds really weird. That doesn't sound like the death and decay that I'm used to. Exactly. It's heavenly. It is not earthly. If what you're looking for is a way to be able to get out of the things that's in this world, that's what Jesus did. He came and overcame the world, right, so that we can be, so that we can take on the form, not of the earthly man. In other words, we are already in the image of Adam, right? We are already in the image of the earthly man. But the Bible says that he wants us to take on the image of the heavenly man. And he wants to make you a new creation so that old things can be passed away and so that behold, listen, hear, see, all things can become new, new. Old things passed away, behold, all things can become new. If that's not what you want, this is not what you want to hear, right? But if you want newness of life, that comes from the, the spirit of God, not the spirit that is of the world. The spirit of the world will sound normal to the people of the world. See, what the Lord desires of the church today, what he wants to teach the church today, is to understand who they are, right? You have heard that song played kind of with a modern little twist to it, right? This is who we are, the song is called, I think, right? 
Right? But the, and, and that's also on our website. We have a portion that says music that you can go where all the media is and you can click on music and you can hear music that's been curated that makes sense with the gospel. That's probably one of the songs that you could hear there. But the church needs to understand who they are, not what they have to do for God, but who they are. Right? And, and, and the image that the Lord has made you in, the new creation that you have been made, is in the image of God. In other words, in your spirit, you are as he is in this world today. This body on the outside doesn't look like his. And this mind still is not like his mind. But it is being renewed by the spirit of God, right? That's Romans chapter 12, right? Our mind is being renewed. So if you're looking for something that is not normal according to earthly standards, and you're looking for a savior that, that gave you an exit out and that could make you brand new, then that's the one you, right? Then all that you've been hearing today about what Christ has done, that's where you want your heart to be. That's where you want your heart to be, right? And he'll keep your heart and keep you in perfect peace. It does not happen in a day. Does not, right? He said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. I'm glad that we're all here today and that we're sharing this good news, but it doesn't work like that, right? It doesn't happen. I come, talk to you, you talk to me, all my problems are solved. It doesn't work like that, right? It happens with patient continuance. And he says, if you do that, if you continue, he says, you will live. If you continue, you will live. Father, thank you, Jesus, for each and every single person here today, Lord. I thank you, my God, and I pray that they would be of those, Lord, that had come, Lord, to hear you. That it is you that they're seeking after, Lord. It's not a denomination. It's not a name. It's not a church. It's not a social gathering, Lord. The one that they're looking for is you. And you have set up your church in such a way, Lord, so that the church can be those that encourage and equip the saints, Lord, for the work of the ministry. People, Lord, that will speak your word, the gospel, in order to allow people to be able to hear the good news of what you can have done and so that they can receive your finished work. Finished work, Lord, not a work in progress. Thank you, Jesus, that the cross is not a work in progress, that the cross is a finished work once for all time. You did what we could not do in that the weakness of our flesh, you did what we could not do, Lord, and you sent your son. You made him, Lord, the propitiation for our sin, Lord. You made him the payment for our sin. I couldn't pay for my own sin, Lord. I could not do enough good, Lord, because there were none that were good, not even a single one. And today, Lord, that is still as true as it was back then. Apart from you, Jesus, there are none that are good. Jesus, you said without me in John 15, you said without me you can do nothing without me you can do nothing so we thank you jesus we thank you lord that we can exalt what you have done in our hearts and our minds lord and we desire my god any single person in here lord that desires to continue to hear thank you lord I, you can promise them lord and give them a certainty they will live if they just continue they will receive life my god they will prosper in the middle, Lord, of a world that is looking to prosper in any way that it can, to stay healthy in every way that it can, Lord. You are the one that promised. You said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Thank you, Jesus. You did not come to bring death, but to bring life. Thank you, my God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you, Lord, for again, Lord, for every single person that came today, Lord, that they would continue to hear you, Lord, continue to hear you. We praise you. We love you and respect you, Lord, in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Reform Church. If you have, please share this with someone else and help us get this uncommon truth out to the world.
If you'd like to support this good news, you can do so at reformchurch.com give. Also on our website, you can take advantage of our free messages, articles, and even full discipleship courses. Start reforming your mind now at reformchurch.com.